Yo, what's going on, chumps? This is the Fantasy Chumps podcast. I am one of your hosts, Leighton. Joining me, as always, is John and Nate. Boys, how are we doing tonight? We're doing. We're getting through it. I, uh, <laughs> I'm John, not feeling so hot today. John's but... a little under the weather. You... Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little nasally. You might catch it here and there throughout the episode, <laughs> but uh, we're just glad to be here. <laughs> so apologies for that um so john's under the weather nate took two finals i'm still wearing my clothes from work i've had them on since 8 30 this morning so we're all doing great tonight (laughs) but nate you excited to talk about some running backs tonight i'm so excited i've been looking forward to this episode for a while now i'd say yeah when we first made this podcast we uh wrote down all the potential ones and this is Besides the draft one, not going to lie. Besides the draft one, this is the one I highlighted. Because, as we all know, running backs, you know, make or break the team. Yeah, we're giving we're giving you guys a top ten ranking because we thought 15 could, could produce a two-hour-long episode. So, we're for time's sake, we're just keeping it to ten. That is so accurate. Nobody will listen to us for two hours. So <laughs> Besides ourselves. I, I would go back and listen. Oh, geez. <laughs> all I right. Think, I don't think my mom would listen to me for two hours. <laughs> Shout out to Teresa. Yeah, shout uh, out. <laughs> Friend of the show. Probably one of our most valued listeners, honestly. Oh, for <laughs> We sure. love the feedback. Dude, I was honestly tempted. So a little inside joke that I never did is I was tempted in the first episode to cut to an ad break when we didn't have one and just be like, this is sponsored by Teresa. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. She's well, going to love this. Oh, she will. <laughs> she killed it at Trivia Night the other night. All right, watching right in to the question of the day from at Carson Turner 98. Hello, this is Carson, your biggest fan. Thank you, Carson. We appreciate the support. Thanks, Carson. What fantasy players have been the biggest bust for you in past seasons? Nate, I know you have a couple. Do you want to kind of dive yeah, into them? This dates back to two years ago when I drafted them both, I think back to back. You did. So mine were, they, they contributed significantly to my fantasy L that year, but <laughs> I picked uh, David Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster for my biggest fantasy letdowns. Uh, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> I want to punch my wall right now thinking about it, but yeah, uh, David Johnson, um, I, it was that year when Zeke's contract was still like under negotiations. Yes, I did. I did take Zeke. He, he fell – I think I had the eighth pick. He fell all the way to me at eight. And then this past year, Dalvin Cook, I got him at number nine. I, I've had good success with players falling to me, so that's that's always been good. Um, but speaking of players I have did not have good success with is uh, last year, I – so I took Dalvin Cook, like I was saying, in the first round. I was feeling really good. And I was really high on Kenyon Drake. Going into the season, I just saw how good he was after he got on the Cardinals. I thought it was going to continue. It didn't. So I started out the draft with Dalvin Cook and Kenyon Drake, and I was over the moon. Um, so I'm glad Dalvin Cook fell to me because if he would have been taken by somebody ahead, I probably would have taken Kenyon Drake, which would have been an even worse bust. But he had one or two weeks that were good, but the other weeks, not so much. So, um, not yeah. so much. It's not about that too much but john who's kind of the biggest bust you've had in the the past seasons 
2018 Le'Veon Bell was definitely the hardest. <laughs> that was that was rough. We were headed into the season. Everybody knew that the contract dispute was there. I did not buy it, and I got burnt pretty bad. Pretty sure I took him with my first pick. So that was that was rough. And then I was also going to cite the David Johnson, which was the same season, I think. I believe that was 2018 as well. I can't remember for sure, but Nate just talked about it. But yeah, Le'Veon Bell for sure. Yeah, I I was high on David Johnson that year too, but it just didn't work out. Now he's in the, the Texans, so I know I know he's in our top ten this year. Um, so at Carson, thank you so much for the question. Again, everybody follow us on Instagram at fantasy underscore chumps and. Be sure to send in some questions and you might make an appearance on the next episode. So, Nate, would you like us to, to take us into this game you've kind of created for us, the Nate Bailey games? Yeah, so this is a little segment that I thought would be kind of fun. We're going to put some uh, rookie roles out there for this upcoming season. Uh, so it was the 2020 versus or rookies versus the incoming 2021 rookies, excuse me. But the first one was, which incoming rookie QB would you see being the next Justin Herbert? Or being Justin Herbert from last year, which was kind of exceeding everyone's preseason expectations and kind of solidifying his role as a solid franchise QB. So you you can't pick like Trevor Lawrence or Zach Mm -hmm. Wilson, right? Right. Overhyped already. John, I think I know who you're going to take, so why don't you go ahead? Yeah, so if I had to choose one that I was going to compare to Justin Herbert from last year, it would probably be Justin Fields. And I think Nate kind of put it best in one of our previous episodes. I think it was the last one. He talked about Justin being kind of a day one quarterback who is pro-ready and ready to come in and make his mark. And they definitely have the offense around him to make that pretty possible. So I could very easily see – the scenario where Justin Fields has a very similar fantasy season to Justin Herbert last year, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, in real life, he's the quarterback that Justin Herbert is. But um, I think that fantasy wise, he could see similar success this season. Nate, would you kind of agree with that pick? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the only one I really had in mind. Our options are kind of limited now. I don't really think, Mac Jones is going to be playing a whole lot this year. I think it's kind of Cam's team for this upcoming season at least. So, yeah, my pick was Justin Fields as well. Um, I think he's he'll be ready to go start week one. I've let let Fields at least get his footing before. But, but yeah, what about you, Layton? Yeah, because Fields is definitely, like, physically ready. I just don't know if he's mentally ready for the NFL. Nobody really – not a ton of people talk about the mental side of the game, which is – Huge. Like, that's the reason Patrick Mahomes came in. So, flying so high. So, obviously, I was going to go with Fields, too, but I'm going to switch my answer and I'm going to pick Trey Lance. Uh, I don't, th- I think a lot of people are kind of sleeping on him just because, like, nobody knows who he is. Um, everybody thought it was going to be Mac Jones for the most part. Um, so, I think when Fields got his name called, everybody was like, what? And so they're not really expecting him to play either, but I think. Jimmy Garoppolo is either not going to play good enough or he'll get hurt and they're going to like throw him in here, like maybe like week seven or something like almost middle of the season. And then he'll like, I could see him hit the ground running and then whoever picks him up could win their league. So that's just kind of my philosophy behind it. Obviously Justin Fields is 
probably one A, but I'm gonna, I went with my one B answer. Yeah. Okay. Well, next question: uh, Who will be this year's Justin Jefferson out of the rookie wide receivers that got drafted in 2021? There Somebody that could could net, set the new standard for a, for a breakout rookie right receiver. There like Jefferson did last year. There oh, are yeah. way too many players named Justin. I'm pretty sure that makes up <laughs> Justin Herbert and Justin Fields at least sure one time in that previous question. But uh, I don't think there is uh, this year's Justin Jefferson. Um, I know it's a great offensive draft, but it'll be interesting to see. I mean, that was that was a crazy, crazy rookie year. Um, the name is escaping me. Is it Rashad? Rashad Bateman? Bateman? Yeah. Yeah. If I was going to pick one, I think, you know, it's kind of outside the box that people aren't really expecting. I think Rashad Bateman would be my choice. Um, not because there's a talented quarterback as far as throwing the ball goes in Baltimore, but um, I could see him being kind of a sleeper under the radar guy. And it's not that people weren't confident in Justin Jefferson, but nobody sees that sort of season coming. And Baltimore has shown that they have a dynamic offense in the past. Last year, they were pretty predictable, but we'll see if they can regroup and kind of keep people guessing this season. So I could I could see him being an outside candidate for a Justin Jefferson type year. Hmm. What are you thinking, Layton? Uh, gosh, there's just – I want to go with – I want to go with a long shot. Uh, I'm going to go with Elijah Moore. Out of old Miss, he went in this round. Everybody thought he was going to be first rounder. Mel Kuyper loves him, so honestly probably 25% of the reason why I picked him. But he went in the second round of the draft to the Jets. And the one thing about the Jets is they don't really have a ton of receiving options. They have like Jameson Crowder, Denzel Mims. So the opportunity is kind of there for him to go off. I don't think his ceiling is nearly as high as Jefferson's was last year, but – He's definitely got to keep an eye on because if he, you know, kind of is a stud like everybody thinks he is, there's nobody really standing in his way with – because like Jefferson was, he had Adam Thielen in front of him, and it, I think that's why everybody kind of shied away from him. So I think mm-hmm. Elijah Moore definitely has the, the stage to himself. Yeah, that. so those are two interesting picks. When I was thinking about it, I was thinking about Jefferson's situation, and like you said, he did have – Adam Thielen there, which I think drew a lot of attention from some defenses. And it, I don't know. It, I think it took some of the pressure off of him too. He could just kind of, I don't know. But so I was thinking about, I'm going to take a more of a basic answer here. And I think, I think Jamar Chase is going to have a really good year because yeah. he already has like a pretty good, like receiving uh, core around him with T Higgins and Tyler Boyd and whatnot. So I don't think there's going to be a lot of attention placed on him necessarily. Um, so I think he can just kind of like feel his way into the role and probably I think he's going to have a really good season. Not to Jeff- Justin Jefferson's standard, but I think I think he'll be really good. Nate just casually taking the number one wide receiver drafted. That's okay. I could, I could say Jalen Waddle too, the the second wide receiver. Oh just, yeah, just just one pick later. I, All right, number yeah, six you want overall. me to do that? I so I was I was thinking about him too. Same kind of thing. Pretty talented receivers around him in Miami, but I I don't trust too. So uh, yeah, I, I was that. I was thinking about Waddle, but I wanted to mm-hmm. go deeper into the pocket. But yeah, sorry. 
<laughs> no. Uh, so now we'll kind of start transitioning towards the running backs. But so which incoming rookie running back will be the Jonathan Taylor of last year, who was kind of slow to start, but started to hit his stride at the end of the season? John, you go first. I don't think my answer is going to be a shock to anybody who's listened to the past few episodes. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be Najee Harris, and it won't be a slow start. It'll just be right out of the gate. He's going to be a stud. Um, I kind of had to back off just a little bit in my rankings. We'll get to that later. But uh, I think Najee's going to have a great year. Um, it just – the rushing stats weren't there for – the Steelers last year at all, and James Conner still managed to have a very good season. And I think that Najee's a much more talented runner than um, than James Conner. And so, yeah, that's that's kind of who I'm looking at this year. And I, I think I don't think it's really even that close between him and Travis Etienne. If that's that's who your next is going to be, Nate, why, why don't you go ahead? Because I'm between two. So I'm gonna okay, yeah. Well, I guess John kind of teed me up for this one. I'll go with Travis Etienne. I this was kind of the narrative I set up in the in the post draft episode, but I think Etienne will definitely take like the the second back role in Jacksonville for a bit. Um, but he's such a talented receiver as well that I think he'll they'll start to really utilize him effectively as the season goes on. He'll he'll start to break out towards the end. Who are you going to say, Lady? So I was, I was going to pick ETN just because I think James Robinson kind of earned himself a starting role. But if ETN balls out towards the end of the season, that, you know, basically just what you said. So my second answer, just because I thought, you know, I knew John was going to take Harris. I thought you'd take ETN. I'm going to say Javante Williams, um, the running back out of UNC that the Broncos traded up for. So they like him enough to trade up for him. Um, and they were obviously worried about him not being there. Obviously, Melvin Gordon's already there, but it's his last year of his contract, so it could be one of those situations where if he's not, you know, if he's not playing as good as he normally is, you just put the rookie in because you know you only have to deal with Melvin Gordon for the rest of this year. So uh, Javante Williams is definitely a, a really good running back. Everybody like was very high on him. A lot of people thought he'd go in the first round, actually, also. Um, so I think the Broncos getting him has a lot of people, especially in dynasty looking at him just because of, um, the fact that Melvin Gordon, his contract running up. So if Melvin Gordon doesn't play good, uh, I could see Javante Williams getting a lot more, uh, carries later on in the season. Yeah. I think I like the Javante Williams pick, uh, Melvin Gordon. It just seems like he's a touch slower than like the Melvin Gordon that we kind of grew to know in, yeah. uh, I guess back, it was San Diego back then, but um, similar to like David Johnson before his injuries started piling up. But yeah, I could see Melvin Gordon looking a little slow out there. Javante Williams starting to get more touches and actually being productive with it. So I do like that pick, but moving on, who will be this year's Clyde Edwards Hilaire? Rookie running back who didn't quite live up to the hype. All right. So I'm going to go in with a very hot take. Uh, <laughs> Don't do it, Layton. I, I know. I have to, though. I'm going to say, fight, fight. I'm going to say Najee Harris. <laughs> like, okay, the one thing about Clyde is he was good last year. Everybody was just expecting him to be like a top, like competing for like a top five. 
um, running back, which, you know, didn't happen. So um, I pick, I'm picking Najee, not because the talent, I, he's a very talented guy. I think long-term he's going to be a stud. Uh, I just don't trust the talent around him. Like they just lost their left tackle. Uh, their offensive line wasn't great last year, which is why James Conner didn't succeed very well. So um, I definitely don't think he's going to be a bad option at running back, but I finished the year at running back 22. So I could see Najee doing like better than that. So maybe like running back 18, 17. I just don't think he's going to be where people expect him to be when they draft him. Because he's right now ranked as 32nd overall ADP. I think he's definitely going to climb those boards going into the season. So I'm kind of avoiding him just because of the Steelers' offense is mainly the only reason. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to just agree with you. We're kind of beating the dead horse with these first-round running backs, but options are pretty limited here to pick from. But, yeah, I'm going to say Najee as well. And it's I with Clyde last year, it was, it was the potential for him to be uh, – explosive out of the receiving game and it just it didn't work out that way with the Chiefs offense last year and I just I don't know if the Steelers are going to make much of an effort to try and get him involved I mean I think they would you would think they would have to spending a first round draft pick on him but I don't know I'm not convinced yet it could also be a draft pick not to get too deep into the weeds I think the Najee draft pick could they viewed him as such a talented running back. They're not – I don't want to say they're not concerned about next year because every team is, but they picked him more for like year two through four because mm-hmm. I think they're going to get a different quarterback after this year, so they want talent. They'll probably retool the offensive line. So there's just a lot of working pieces in Pittsburgh. So that's also – sorry, John, go ahead. No, I'll cut you guys some slack on it because I guess I started to analyze my own answer – a little bit, and it's not really fair because it was going to be Travis Etienne, but um, it's not really fair because he's not going to be the starter day one, and that's what we saw with Clyde. So there's not really a good answer, I guess, for this question unless it is Najee. Um, so I'll cut you some slack because, you know, there's nobody really to choose from outside of that. That's just a true number one role. No, yeah, not sh- splitting carries. And so I, I see where you're coming from and I understand it, but uh, I don't know. I think it's one of those situations where talent prevails and, you know, the pieces around you absolutely have a huge impact. But uh, I think, I think Najee's definitely the real deal. So we'll see. Yeah. All right. Well, to, to round this little segment off, who is going to be this year's James Robinson, who is a late, or I guess well, he James Robinson was an undrafted running back, but yeah, pick a late or undrafted uh, rookie running back who's going to have a breakout year. I got it. I got it. I got it. <laughs> Michael Carter for the Jets. <laughs> so I talked about him on last week's episode, um, and so everybody in my friend group at least is going to know who Michael Carter is now. But um, I think you can see a lot of you're going to see a lot of analysts talk about him because everybody's going to talk about Harris, ETN, and Javante. Um, And even Michael Carter gets overshadowed by Javante because they went to the same school and he was the running back too. So, yeah, I don't think, you know, obviously he's going higher in drafts than James Robinson is because James Robinson didn't really get drafted. 
So it's kind of not kind of as fair because I think he's a eighth or ninth round pick right now, and I think he's going to go up. So it's not the best answer, but in terms of a later draft pick, that'll have fantasy impact next year. I think that'll definitely be Michael Carter in some capacity. Nice. John? John? So I'm going with a deep, deep, deep pick here. The guy's name is Javian Hawkins. I don't know if any of you have heard of him or not. Who is Undrafted. Undrafted free agent out of Louisville. The Falcons picked him up right after the draft, and he's got some impressive numbers. Uh, last last season at Louisville, rushed for 822 yards on 133 attempts. That's a 6.2 yards per carry average. Had seven touchdowns and 16 re- receptions, and also a touchdown, a receiving touchdown. So, um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. We'll see. You know, I hope he gets some some first-team reps in uh, preseason. But uh, if you're looking for a really, really deep pick there, Javian Hawkins out of Louisville. All right, John, you got kind of stole mine. <laughs> but I forgot the name of the guy that I was picking. But there's this other one from uh, – his name's Tony Brooks James. He was undrafted and signed with the Falcons also. I was looking at, at teams that didn't really have an established RB1 or anything for that matter. I mean, I think Atlanta's running back core is – it's uh, Cordero Patterson. Um, Mike Davis. Mike Davis, yeah. And then whoever John just said, who doesn't even sound like a real name. Javian Hawkins. All right. I'll remember that. So, yeah, Tony Brooks James. Beware the three names. Can can I uh can I say another one real quick? Mm-hmm. He, he wasn't drafted super late, um, but I think a lot of people are not going to look at him, and that's Trey Sermon, who got drafted by the 49ers. Um, current ADP is 170, definitely way down there. Um, you know, fringe, not drafted players, depending on how big your league is. But I think he's the guy that. Obviously, Raheem Mostert's good, but he's had trouble staying healthy. So I think if Mostert goes down at all, I think he, you'll probably see Trey Sermon being the next guy up. And obviously, any running back in the Al Shanahan system does really well. So I just want to throw out that one, too. Yeah, so, that's a good one. Real quick, and this does not go along with the question, but we talked about this backfield and it made me curious. Does Todd Gurley deserve to be a free agent right now, or does he deserve to be on a roster? Oh, yeah. I, I think he should be on a roster. Do you think he will be by the time the season starts? Um, gosh, that's a good question. It depends on how much he's asking for because, you know, he might just be looking at it from, like, a health perspective. Like, I've made good money in my time here. I don't really want to you know, tear down my body more. Or if he thinks he's, you know, good to go, I think he could sign somewhere. But he's – I feel bad for him because he was definitely the biggest fall I've ever seen of a player. Like he was so good. And then like instantly, like within a season, he was just, you know, you didn't want him on your team. Just not even a shadow of what he was. It it, no. it really was sad to see, but I hope he makes it on a roster. I just, I hadn't thought, given it much thought. And when we talked about the Atlanta backfield, I couldn't help but think of Todd Gurley. So. Yeah. It's, it's Nate, did you have any more? Or was that, all of them. Nope, that's it. That wraps up the the rookie rolls. The the Nate the Nate uh, rookie rolls game. Is that what we're gonna call it? Sure, it's got a um, great ring to it. No, we we can work <laughs> on that. It's fine. We'll work on that in post. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. So moving on to the main event of this episode, we have our top 10 running backs that we're going to talk about today. So kind of same way with quarterbacks. If you didn't listen to that one, um, we each three rank them from one to 10 and we are taking the consensus average to rank the top 10 running backs. So I'm just going to go ahead and get us started here. Um, the best running back in the NFL we have ranked right now is Lamar Jackson. Uh, but since in fantasy, he is considered a quarterback, we had to go with Christian McCaffrey. So no, it was a bad joke. I know uh, <laughs> Christian McCaffrey. Was everybody... Okay, guys, you know, I try. Uh, it was everybody's consensus. Number one pick. Um, who wants to talk about how good Christian McCaffrey is? I don't think any of us really need to. He played <laughs> I kind of I kind of forgot about him last year and then I played against him 2 weeks and he was healthy both of the weeks I played against him in fantasy. Shout out to Ben. Yeah, and then you just remember that he literally touches the ball every single play when he's on offense. Yeah. And he's so, so good. And Carolina <laughs> does a really good job of setting him up for success, I think. So, obviously but one of the reasons, like, obviously I was going to keep him in the top three, but I think they didn't really bring in anybody to kind of compete with him at all. Um, he only played three games, which is the only red flag, but he averaged 30, po- 30 points. That's three games. Stop. <laughs> Just absurd. He had 19 targets with 17 catches, and he had six touchdowns in those three games. <laughs> one of them was against the Chiefs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. But, okay, obviously, like, really good player. So, don't need to really belabor the point. So, number two, we have Dalvin Cook. Um, Nate and I's number two player. John's number three player. Um, I guess I can talk about him really quick. But um, he had a great year last year. Did great for my fantasy team, so I was happy. But he had – over 1,500 rushing yards, average five yards a carry. You know, he, he's really good, too. He had 16 touchdowns on the ground, and he had 54 targets, too, through the air, which is really – he's not so much a receiving option as I wish he would be, but 44 catches on 54 targets you can never complain about, and he had uh, only one receiving touchdown. But average about 24 points a game, and he only missed – a game and a half because of an ankle sprain. And so they were playing it safe. If it was a big game, I think he would have played. So he's definitely, you know, good. And one of the reasons I really like Dalvin Cook this year, obviously I liked him a lot last year too, but um, they the Vikings have really tried to improve that O-line. They added a Christian Darisaw who's really good. So um, I think that's going to help them a lot. And if they can improve that O-line even more, that five yards of carry might turn into – six or something so then he'd be even better so it's just kind of a great situation i think and with kirk cousins as the quarterback it's i think it's always going to be around the running back that's for sure yeah so i feel like dalvin cook is a name that always pops up that i just i try to avoid usually i don't know if it's because i have this idea that he's injury prone which he kind of is i guess but he is he is really good, and I'm going to put him at number two for this upcoming season. Um, the thing with him, like last year, I guess, which maybe impacted his uh, – limiting him from his full potential was the Vikings were just down in a lot of games. Oh, uh, yeah. Really running the ball. Like I just 
there was like four times that Kirk Cousins was like 35 yards, two interceptions in the first quarter, and they were down like 18 points or something. Yeah, that was what and I was going to so, Yeah, they're not going to run the ball after that. So, but yeah, if, uh, if O line is improved in Minnesota, if uh, they, they're not losing a game in the first quarter, I think he'll be really good. Yeah, I agree. So moving on to number three consensus ranking is Alvin Kamara, one of my least favorite players in the NFL right now, scoring 10 touchdowns in championship. Nate, put your hands down. Um, <laughs> John has him ranked as RB2, Nate RB3. I have him at RB4, uh, which I'll talk about later. But first, I'm going to give the floor to John to talk about why he's so high on him. Because before the, the podcast, you're talking about how you were tempted to put him number one. So this is all you. Yeah, so definitely tempted to put him number one. But, I mean, you guys said it best, and I didn't even say anything on CMC just because of how talented he is and how good of a fantasy player he is. It's just – it's truly incredible, and I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon. I guess the reason that I was tempted to put Kamara number one overall was because of the similarities that I do see between New Orleans' offense this coming season – and what we've seen in Carolina for the past year or so. I don't expect I don't expect, excuse me, a lot of downfield passing this season with the Saints. We could see Jameis start to sling it. We've seen it before. Um, wouldn't be shocked to see it again. But with Taysom Hill in there, and really I don't know what to expect at quarterback, but I could just see a lot of the offense running through Camara, especially with the shakiness that we've seen in recent uh games with Michael Thomas as well. So I think Camara's workload somehow is actually going to increase this year. I don't know how that's quite possible, but uh, I think it will. And so last year he was the running back one on the season. He um, accomplished that by scoring 40 more points than the next closest running back, which was Dalvin Cook last year, um, averaging 25 point fantasy points per game. So um, I somehow still do think that he's actually going to score more touchdowns this season as well. So it's just across the board. I think it's going to be a better year for Alvin Kamara and it's, you can't go wrong with Christian McCaffrey or Kamara or even Dalvin cook. And, and yes, Nate, I was going to agree with you on Dalvin that in his first two seasons, I think he probably played a total of like three or four games. I think like he, he did get hurt. He had two big injuries in his first two years. So Okay. Sophomore season, I know. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, Alvin Kamara is really good at football. Like everybody can tell you that. Um, so I'm the lowest on him. I mean, I guess low at number four is low compared to the consensus. But the one thing you gotta love about him is he gets so many targets. Like he he had 107 targets last year in the passing game. Like that that's more than a lot of receivers out there. So, obviously, the downside is he only had 187 rushing attempts, but he also got five yards of carry, and, you know, targets and receptions are more valuable in fantasy football. So, that's really good to see. I mean, yeah, he had so many targets. That's insane. Yeah, the only person who had more more targets than him was J.D. McKissick. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, the only reason I put – my number three running back ahead of him is just because, you know, Drew Brees isn't there anymore and Drew would target him like crazy. So while obviously he's very good, I'm, I have a little worry about him and his targets going down because we don't know, really know what the offense is going to look like with Taysom 
or Jameis. We got a hint of it with Taysom last year, and Kamara's numbers kind of dipped a little bit before they started to pick back up. So you just have to be aware of that. I, I, I don't know. It's just more consistent. So we just don't know what's going to happen. So that's kind of why I'm a little bit more hesitant, but I'd obviously still love to have him as my running back one. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Alvin Kamara was my guy last year. We know. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, no, he's just incredible to watch. I feel like he just, like, he doesn't ever get tackled. He just, like, bounces off of people and just stays on his feet. He's incredible. Dude, I, I know. I, I watched him break, like, I don't even know if he broke the tackles. Like, people would try to tackle him, and they just, like, wrap their arms around him. It's like – it was like he was wrapped in – or he was, like, covered in butter because their arms would just go down. Yeah. I'm thinking of, like, that one, like, screen pass that he just took yeah. to the house for, like, 60 yards, and just people would hit him, and it would just, like, knock him forward. And then he was just jumping over people. But he's crazy. Um, yeah, the thing last year was, I mean – Drew Brees' arm strength was very questionable, and so it was a lot of dump-offs to him. Yeah, like Layden was saying, he had 83 receptions last year, which was far more than anybody else in the top 10 for running backs. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, but, I have some questions, I guess. I don't really know what it's going to look like with a different quarterback next year. But, yeah, what, what's up, John? But, yeah, you guys didn't hear about the rule change that they had? Oh, tell me. It's it's actually illegal to tackle Alvin Kamara. You're oh. actually not allowed to do it. Yeah. Oh, you're so, not? Yeah. They, they, that, they had that last year. Yeah. No, it, it was the first year that they had it. That's why people just bounce off. It's just you're not allowed to tackle him. So. I thought I thought Alvin okay. Kamara was just trying to adhere to social distancing as much as possible. Mm, yeah. COVID. Because he, 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 he was always open and he's like, I, I don't want your germs. So That's right. He's definitely social distancing against the Vikings week 16. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, anyway, moving on to consensus running back number four is Saquon Barkley. So I have him at running back three, just ahead by an inch over Alvin Kamara. John, lowest on him at number five, and Nate at number four, so splitting the difference. Um, I have him the highest, so I'll kind of start. Obviously, he got hurt last year. He only played one game, and that was against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So um, you got to kind of take it with a grain of salt last year because of that. So in that game against the Steelers, he had 13 fantasy points, but he had nine targets. Um, so obviously you can't, you know, project him to get nine targets, you know, for 16, I guess next year, 17 games. But if he did get that kind of volume, that'd be crazy. So I was like, let's look back. So in 2019, he had 73 targets, which is still a lot that's a you know that's a lot more than most other running backs get that he would have been fourth this year and the fourth highest in terms of targets if that was the same amount um, going over Um, the only thing is like now their offense kind of has a little bit more weapons but I think that helps him because I remember when he I don't I can't remember if it was 2018 or 2019 or maybe both years but every time Daniel Jones would reach the ball out. You could just see the linebackers just go down because they didn't have to worry about anybody else. But yeah, back to in 2019, he was seventh in points per game at 18.8. And I think the Giants offense has gotten a lot better with their offensive line. They've obviously improved their offensive weapons with Kadarius Toney. They added Kenny Galladay, paid him a lot of money. So in 2019, he was the only real threat. So I think 
less attention is going to be paid to him, if that's even possible, compared to two seasons ago. Because if you took away Barkley, you know, the Giants were terrible back then. But if you took him away, their offense could not move the downfield. So last year, I think, was good for Daniel Jones because he learned how to play without Saquon. And so this year, getting him back, I think they're going to use a lot, utilize him a little bit more. So does anybody else have anything to add on Saquon? Maybe a little negative? John? <laughs> I would go probably the other direction a little bit. Just because the offense is improved, um, I think that it's not going to be so much on Saquon. Like you talked about how bad they were uh, in that 2019 season. I could kind of see it going the opposite direction of uh, just the workload's not going to be there. And like Saquon is nasty. And I mean, like I just just looking at his legs, it's like he has to be he has to be a top five running back in the league. Right. Yeah. So um, now I'm not low on him by any means. It's just like. Look at the four names that came before him for me: Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey. Like John, stop spoiling the next player. Well, you know. Oh well. <laughs> uh, anyway, so no, I'm not. I'm not trying to be low on him by any means. I, I just think that there could be a slight decline in workload, and you never know. You never know how a running back is going to come back. Even Saquon, he he is human, and we'll just have to wait and see uh, what he looks like. I think he's definitely the – obviously out of the four, I think he's the risky, riskiest player to choose. Why am I saying that? The mo- he has the most risk associated with drafting him. So that's the only hesitation I have with him, but I, I still ranked him three. So, Well, moving on to number five, big surprise. Thanks, John. Um, yeah, I'm just kidding. Um, we have Derek Henry. John, you have him exactly at number four. Nate at number – Wait. Yeah, sorry. Nate at number five. Math's hard. And then I have him at number seven. So I'm a little low on him. So Nate, do you want to talk about Derrick Henry a little bit? Yeah, he's just uh I don't know. He makes he doesn't catch the ball. I mean, all he's doing, all his work totally comes on the ground. He had a, didn't he have the two thousand yard rushing season last year? Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, I think he's really solid. He's very consistent, I think. Uh, you, I mean, he is – him and A.J. Brown are the Titans' offense. And so, I just think yes. – I think Derrick Henry's a safe pick. But I don't know if he has the explosive potential that, like, Kamara or Dalvin Cook or CMC have that could get you, like, the 30 and 40-point games. Like, he's always going to have, like, his 100 yards for and two touchdowns maybe. But I don't know. I like him a lot. Yeah, um, here I'll, I'll I'll talk on the negative side, and then John can kind of bring it back up because um, I just the one reason I'm so low on him is just because he's just inconsistent to me. He's a boomer bust type of player, and I was looking at his game log, and he has obviously some very high games. You know, forty points, thirty six, thirty four, thirty five, which is awesome. That'll win you a week. But then he also had a lot of low games of like eight, seven, five, ten. Um, so that's like that's pretty low. And it's just I just don't like consistency when it comes to players. And the main reason I'm probably down on him is because um, it's PP. We use PPR scoring. So if you don't and it's standard, then I'm totally wrong. But um, we're using PPR scoring in all this, by the way. Um, 
So when I was actually looking at those game logs, I realized it was on standard and I changed it to PPR and like it, it hardly moved the needle. Like I think one of the low games went up by one, the high games went up by like three total points. So like Nate said, it's totally all on the ground. He doesn't catch the ball hardly at all. He, ha- he only had um, 31 targets last year with 19 catches. That's like less than two a game, which Quick math, quick math. Go ahead, quick math, yes. Um, so I don't know. I just don't – the reason I don't like him is from a football perspective, if the Titans get behind early, they're just not going to really use him at all. Um, and so just, you know, me personally, I would rather have somebody, you know, maybe a little bit more consistent. Uh, I don't like boomer bust players a ton, so that's kind of why I'm a little bit lower on Derrick Henry. Yes, Nate, go ahead. Yeah, I guess I was I was wrong to say that he was a consistent like fantasy producer, but I think his I guess what I was thinking about was like his involvement's always consistent. The, the workload. Like yeah, I'm I'm looking at his his game logs right now, and he had like two games where he had under 20 rushing attempts, and so I I think I would take my chances on somebody that at least is always going to be involved in the offense, and they're just gonna they're gonna feed him, and like like you said, maybe he'll have that that week where he only gets like 60 rushing yards and no touchdowns. But I, I think I would, I would take my shot with, with that usually. Right. I don't know. Just in PPR. I just, I don't know. When you don't get catch that all is, of that. Yeah. I totally yeah. agree with that. He had 19 receptions last year. Put that into context with Alvin Kamara's like 80 or 70. He, yeah. he had, he had as many catches or he had it. Sorry. Yeah. He had as many catches as Christian McCaffrey had in targets in three games. So like the most targets he got all year was five and he only caught two of them. So I, I understand it's a different type of player. It's, but being able to be phased out of the game is just a little bit um, worrisome from my perspective. So, sorry, go ahead, John. Um, no, I don't have a lot to add. I thought that you made a really good point and I wanted to touch up on it a little bit more Leighton. Uh So you talked about the Titans getting, getting down early and the production that you're going to get from Derrick Henry. So fun fact, actually, uh, the Titans lost five games last year. In those five games, Derek scored 13.2, 17.2, 10.9, 4.9, and 9.8. So those first two, like, okay, you're okay with that. You're not, like, you know, over the hill, very excited about that. But, you know, as as you see, like, in the games that don't go well for the Titans, it's definitely not going well for Derek Henry either. And so – even though he may be getting the attempts, he's probably trying to do too much and it's just not leading to the production that he's trying to get. So um, <clears throat> there definitely is a clear issue there with, okay, well, if the Titans are losing, you're losing with Derrick Henry in your lineup as well. But uh, all right. So with wrapping up that top five for their running backs, we're actually going to take a break. Wait, 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 wait. But before we take a break, can I add something else? I'm sorry. Um, the one, one other thing about Derrick Henry I forgot to mention is – they lost Corey Davis and Johnny Smith in free agency, obviously. Um, so obviously those are, you know, not huge names, but they're still, they were a big part of the offense last year. So like Nate said, it is just AJ Brown and uh, Derrick Henry. So I think you'll see teams a lot, just try to stop Derrick Henry as much as possible, like commit more to that instead. So yeah, sorry. Nate Ryan will throw the ball. Yeah. So that was, that was it. Sorry, John. We can now <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> yeah. No that worries. was about to be such a smooth transition too. I, it, was, it was very close. We will get there one day. All right. We're going to take a quick break guys.
All right, guys, welcome back to part two of the top 10. We have, obviously, just to do a quick round out, we had Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, and Derrick Henry as the top five. So now moving into the number six spot, we have Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, I have him ranked at number five, John at seven, Nate at six. So we kind of just did like a little stepping stone there. Uh, so I'm just going to go ahead and talk about him really quick because uh, I'm the highest on him. Dak, so the main reason everybody, I think in the fantasy world, seems to be a little like down. He's kind of in this odd way forgotten about, but everybody knows who Ezekiel is and everybody knows he's like good. Basically, just doing a quick recap, Dak got hurt in week five, obviously, to that horrific ankle injury. So on the season, Ezekiel Elliott averaged 15 points a game, which isn't bad. But up until week five, including week five, he's averaging 22.34 points. So basically 22 points a game. But as soon as Dak went out and that O-line started to lose because of injury, they only he only averaged 11.2 points a game. So that's about a you know 11, half of what he was producing um, before Dak and everything kind of fell apart. So if he kept at that pace from based on what I discovered, but if nobody got hurt in like a perfect scenario, he would have been the fourth best running back overall, just based on terms of average, you know, add them all up. And if you don't include CMC in that average, that average would have been the third best running back without the injuries. Um, one thing I think a lot of people think of is he's all, he's just like a, running back he doesn't really run or he doesn't catch the ball i'm sorry but he had 71 targets on the season and a huge chunk of that was without Dak prescott um but the main thing i like about him is they didn't really actually they didn't at all in the draft they only went defense is the first time in history they didn't add any offensive weapons during free agency the draft or anything so their whole offense is coming back as the same so that 22.34 points a game you know, he's going right now as the RB8. I think you can take him with confidence at that kind of ranking. Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like with Zeke, uh, I feel like you can, you've can you seen what he can do and the kind of running back he can be that should be consistently, like you said, like a top five, top four. But yeah. I just I, – I've never owned him in fantasy, but I've just seen – on other rosters, it's like, why is he, why is he having like a three game stretch averaging like 10 points or something? Like, even when he's, he's getting the ball, I feel like he's not super productive sometimes. Like you said, he's, I guess, I don't know, a little inconsistent out of the passing game, but yeah, um, he's definitely forgot about for me. I've, yeah. I've, I've kind of, I didn't even really think about him last year. Uh, <laughs> and I, and probably, hopefully staying away from him this year, but yes, John real quick, I guess if I'm sitting in the middle of the draft and I get Zeke with my first pick at number six, I'm pretty excited about it just because the upside that he brings and that's coming from not a huge fan of the Dallas Cowboys or (laughs) really, or their quarterback. Yeah. Not, not a big fan of them. If you guys didn't know, Um, no, (laughs) but I'd actually be pretty excited about that. I think Ezekiel Elliott is one of those guys out of a group of probably really only three running backs that has the potential to be RB1 on the season, in my opinion, and those other two being McCaffrey and Kamara. Um, But I think 
I think Zeke has the ceiling to where he can reach that point of RB one overall. So if I can, if I can get a player like that at the sixth pick, which is not exactly a fond drafting position for me, then I'm pretty excited really. And you get a good flow of you never, you know, have this long break and you don't have to pick back to back and potentially get stuck in a bad spot. So I'd be pretty excited about that from a fantasy perspective. So, um, Maybe that middle of the pack range is looking pretty attractive to me this year. So, uh, quick note before I pass it over to Nate: uh, he's he's going right now as like ADP of like twelve, thirteen. Uh, rank on sleeper is ten overall. So, if you can get him at ten with the eleven turn, I think that's really good. So, go ahead. That's Nate. huge. Wow. wow. Okay, that's a lot lower than I thought. But yeah, I was gonna say, I guess for the running backs. Uh, I'm not going to say their names yet, but like looking at the list that we have following him, like I'm definitely taking Zeke over, over any of them just for his potential upside. But yeah, I guess does anybody else have anything to say? No, I think we can move on to um, number uh, seven. Sorry. If you want to lead us into that, Nate. Yeah. So number seven, we have Austin Eckler. Um, I had him at number eight. Layton had or John had him at eight and Layton number six. Talk I, us through that. I do have him at six. So everybody's gonna think I'm an idiot because I haven't ranked above Derrick Henry. And I know more than likely Derrick Henry will probably finish above Austin Eckler, but I, I don't know. I just don't like Derrick Henry on my team. We talked about that already. So Austin Eckler, obviously, everybody was semi hyped going into the season about him. And looking back on the season, he obviously missed six games. Um, and in those other 10 games, he, sorry, math is hard. Uh, in the other 10 games he missed, he managed to put up double digit fantasy points every week, but two weeks, one of the weeks being the one he got hurt in. And the other was the first week with 9.7 points. But like John talked about before the um, podcast started, um, Eckler had a stretch of three weeks where he got 24 targets on receptions. So, you know, obviously he got 24 points, 11, and then 24 that following week. So that was a good stretch. And that was him coming off of the injury. So he might have not even been 100%. And the one game he was down with that, it was when they played the Patriots and they lost 45 to zero. So, you know, I, I don't, they, they ran the ball eight times with him. So I think that's kind of just a, you know, a sign that, you know, if you get beat by a lot, you're not, nobody's going to do well. But, um, he's a great receiving option. He had 65 targets in those 10 games. So that's easy, quick math again, 6.5 targets a game. That's a ton. So if he kept that pace up, you know, he could definitely average that out. He'd be in the top three in terms of targets. So if he can stay healthy and get as many touches as we predict he will, I think he'll be a really good option. And just a quick note, he's going right now on ESPN as the running back seven in PPR. And in Sleeper, which Sleeper, if you've never heard of it, not that they're they're not our sponsor, but they take all of the rankings from like Yahoo, ESPN, CBS, et cetera, and they compile it. And he's going right now as the 21st player overall. So I don't think he'll stay around there. But even if you get him around, you know, 17, 18, you know, kind of in that DeAndre Hopkins, Aaron Jones range, I think that'd be a good value for him. Yeah, I – I'm a big fan of Austin Eckler. I was fortunate to grab him off waivers last year when he was hurt. It was a bit controversial. 
that whole uh that whole ordeal but yeah um just a yeah ton of ton of targets in the receiving game it seemed like what i was noticing when i was watching the chargers it was basically on him to get them inside the red zone and then once it was goal to go situations they like to bring in their their heavy hitter power backs more so not yeah. yeah not a lot of rushing touchdown production from him but I mean, I think for those six point five targets a game on average, like you were saying, I really like his uh, his potential there. Oh yeah! Before we move on, thanks for bringing that up. I forgot to mention this. He only had three touchdowns last year, like total mm-hmm. rushing, receiving. So I, I mean, you can easily say he's going to get more than that. How many more? I don't know. But if he, you know, with what he averaged each game, based on essentially only three touchdowns because he averaged 16.5 points a game PPR with three touchdowns. Like if he, if he even doubled those touchdown totals, which would only be six, which is still be kind of low for a running back one. That'd still be, he'd get a lot more points. Yes, John. I'm going to be fast on this and I'm not going to get in depth on any stats or anything, but I just kind of want to pull this hype down a little bit because it's not that I'm low on Austin Eckler. I just want to, I don't know. I just want to bring it back down to earth a little bit. I don't think that he's a great option for you as like an RB one. And I don't know if that's what we're, I mean, clearly that's, that's what our rankings are insinuating, but um, it, I don't know. I, I just don't feel great about it, but I am going to kind of contradict myself with my own point that in this case, at eight, I don't know if you're still – or at seven, I don't know if you're still, you know, going running back at the seventh overall pick. It's right. very close, probably just depending on whatever you see and whatever's there because, like, Devontae Adams might not be there. Tyreek Hill may not be there at seven or eight. It's just – you just have to wait and see who's going to be there. But I just want to pull the reins back just a little bit on Austin Eckler because, like – I really don't think he should be your first pick and I really don't think he should be your RB one unless you are at the turn and you know for sure who your next pick is going to be. That's just me personally. So I just wanted to pull that back in just a little bit. Right. I understand. Yeah, no, that's a good point because when, obviously when we rank these players, it's just running backs. So we're not factoring in like, you know, wide receivers, tight ends, quarterbacks or anything. So even though I like him as the sixth player, I totally understand. I, I mostly like him a lot because of the value you can get him at too. Because if he's going, if you can get him mid to late, maybe even early second round, I think that's great value for what he's going to produce. Because he's a consistent player, like we talked about. So, anyway, moving on to number eight, we have Jonathan Taylor. I have him at eight. John has him at six. Nate has him all the way at ten. So, I'm counting by twos there. Uh, John, why, why do you love uh, your no? You, your real name is John, right? Is it or is it Jonathan? It's John. Just John. Okay. Okay. So never mind. John, why do you like Jonathan so much? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the guy was a beast uh, towards the end of the season last year. Um, he did miss a game. He missed Week Twelve, but after that game, he came back and he was on an absolute tear. His lowest uh fantasy scoring week was 15 and a half points and that was in week 15 uh against the texans and like i said that was the lowest outside that he had 19 and a half 28 and a half 
19.4 and 37.4. So he finished on a super, super high note, but that was against the Jaguars. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, and yeah, and we talked about the, the, I don't know if we, did we throw out a number for the yards that they gave up per game? Oh yeah. Like it was almost 500. Yeah. That's what I thought. So, uh, yeah, just a stupid amount of yards given up anyway. Um, no, I, I don't know. Jonathan Taylor is kind of an interesting one and he's a little bit different than any of the other running backs that we look at because he's not a target monster, but he's super, super efficient whenever his, the targets do come his way out of the 40, 40 targets that he had last season, he pulled in 36 of those and there is a change at quarterback. It will be a different style offense. And I am a little bit nervous to see how it changes because Phillip rivers, not a gunslinger at all. Probably couldn't nope. throw a ball 30 yards in the air last season. Couldn't um, throw it farther than his 11th kid in, in fact, line. It, yeah. <laughs> uh, in fact, was there – and this could have been two years ago. I can't remember 100%. Was there a like a, a quarter-ending situation or a half-ending situation wherever the Colts actually put in Philip Dorsett to – run the last play of the half because it was a Hail Mary situation. Uh Jacoby Brissett? Or yeah, yeah, yes. Jacoby Brissett. Because yes. they definitely did. Yeah. 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 So anyway, that doesn't make any difference for uh, Jonathan <laughs> Taylor for the fantasy season. Just kind of a weird thing that happened that I remember. Uh anyway, no, I just I like his upside. He he definitely gets the workload of a workhorse RB1 and um I don't know. We'll see. I'm excited for him coming into this year, 11 rushing touchdowns and one receiving touchdown last year. And I think those numbers could easily improve. Um, But I could also say, see them staying pretty, pretty similar. um, If not, maybe just a little bit worse, but anyway, I think he slides in as a very comfortable RB one this year. Yeah. He he has a lot of potential. Like it, it would not shock me if he was like a top five running back this year. And that's not sliding anybody we rated higher than him. It's just that if he continues that pace from week 13 on, he's going to be a stud. It's just a matter of if Carson Wentz is going to throw him the ball as much, if they're going to run it as much, because I don't think they trusted Phillip Rivers as much, which is why they ran him a ton. Um, And it just depends how they're going to utilize all the other options, because Marlon Mack's coming back. Naheem Hines they use a lot for some weird reason. And so if if they kind of, you know, you know, nitpick those targets and carries away from him. Just, you know, even if it's just like six a game, you know, from those two, it can, I think it can bring him down just a little bit, but I love him as an option for sure. Did he actually finish the season at RB six? Am I making that up? Did he make it all the way up there? Yeah. I believe that was the spot. Yeah. That's crazy. But yeah. And he did have that big game to end the year. And so, Destiny. Yeah, he had he had 253 yards against the Jaguars week 17. <laughs> yeah, sheesh, that's crazy. And so that yeah. I mean that last game probably moved him up three spots. Realistically, maybe yeah, probably about three spots. So I lost I lost interest in Jonathan Taylor kind of probably way too quickly last year. But they had a deep backfield, and it started off with uh, Moreland Mack. Then it just kind of turned into a battle of attrition, it seemed like. It was just like who was healthy at the right time. And then Jonathan Taylor was healthy while Marlon Mack and Naeem Hines were were out and just produced. So 10, I have him ranked 10. That's probably a little harsh. But um, 
yeah, I think I think eight's a good spot for him. All right, moving on to our next player, we have Aaron Jones at number nine. I have him at nine. Nate has him at seven, and John at ten. So Nate, you kind of want to take the lead on this one? Yeah, I like Aaron Jones a lot. I've he's a frequent uh, pickup. I feel like in a lot of my leagues, but um, just. A smooth runner, I feel like. Uh, it's kind of frustrating sometimes how the Packers used him in red zone. Uh, it seemed like they tried to air it out a little bit more. It was a lot of Devontae Adams targets uh, near the goal. But, uh, yeah, I love Aaron Jones. And with the questions surrounding Rodgers for next year returning to Green Bay or who their starting quarterback is going to be, I'm probably more optimistic on his uh, potential. I think that um, I don't know, Layton. You were kind of you were kind of disagreeing with me earlier. Well, you thought with Rogers gone, you thought that defenses might focus in on more on Aaron Jones. What's your yeah, I mean, obviously, it, obviously it's May right now, so it's kind of hard because everything you read about Rogers is like the doomsday scenario. Because we all have Packers friends, and they're just like not wanting to talk about football. But it's just interesting because there's such. Obviously, if Rodgers doesn't start a quarterback, I, I will move him down. But even – I don't know. I just have this weird thing with Aaron Jones. Um, and the fact that their left tackle, David Bakhtiari, is recovering from an ACL, one of the best left tackles in the league, if not the best. Um, I think he's the best. But he's a really good left tackle. So losing that, I know, is big. And he does he does get more passing work than I thought he did. He got 63 targets last year, so I, I don't know. I just I, I feel like every time I watch him, he just doesn't run the ball a lot because I feel like I watched him when he played the Titans and he got you know 10 carries. I watched him when they played the Colts and he got 10 carries for 41 yards. So I'm just picking the wrong games or the Bucks when he carried it 10 times for you know 15 yards. So he still ended up doing well, respectively, with those numbers that week in fantasy. But I guess I'm just you know. I just catch the wrong games, but I know he's a really good option at, at running back. So do you have anything else to add? No. All right. Well, we'll move on to number 10, our last player to round out the top 10. And that is Nick Chubb. I have him at 10 and then Nate and John both have him at nine. So uh, anybody want to take Nick Chubb, John, Nate? Uh, I'll take a stab at it. Um, last year, I think, was a really impressive season for Nick Chubb because um, without looking, do any of you guys know how many games he missed? Do you remember? He missed four games. And he still rushed for over 1,000 yards last season. So um, I think that's a really impressive stat to show the kind of talent and ability that he has um, whenever the opportunity is provided to him. So um I don't know. I feel like 10 is almost a disservice to Nick Chubb because he is a very talented runner. Um, but Kareem Hunt definitely cuts into that workload. And I don't know. I'm I'm a little nervous about the Browns offense and what direction they're going to go because Baker is a talented quarterback. I think we've just – we haven't quite seen it yet in the NFL. And so I think if the moment arises where Baker actually does kick it back into gear – and becomes a more talented passer with the receiving options that they have in Cleveland. Nick Chubb is the last person on that offense that I expect to see production if the passing game starts to pick up. 
because Kareem Hunt definitely is going to be more heavily involved. Njoku's going to be probably pretty close there. Chubb's just not much of a receiving back. And, and so, Hooper. Right, and Hooper. And so then there's Landry and Odell to feed as well. So um, it's just always a concern for me with Chubb. Kareem, not as much, because even though he's probably not going to be that many spots as far as ratings go in the running back rankings – you're going to draft him a lot later in drafts than you will than what you pay for Chubb. So um, take this with a grain of salt. Proceed with caution. Nick Chubb rounds out our top ten. But, boy, it's a it's a tough one to make the pick on. Yeah, I, I, I don't really love where he's going in the draft. That's kind of the big thing for me, too. Uh, because I know on ESPN he's being ranked as the number ten running back, and you have guys – you know, it's kind of in that range where, you know, depending on where you're drafting at, it's like you can take a swing on Cam Akers, there's DeAndre Swift, Joe Mixon, you know, just the kind of guys that come after him that I think have a higher ceiling but a lower floor. So it kind of depends what your first-round pick is. But did you guys know that he only had 18 targets all year? That's like a, his thing, though, is he he's not a big part of the receiving game. Yeah. I don't think he's ever been. No, I know, but it just, I don't know, it just kind of threw me off a little bit. But, yeah, because, like, I don't know. I, I, I was down on Derrick Henry because he didn't get very many targets. And so I feel like I should kind of be doing the same with him. Well, there's the Kareem Hunt change of pace, you know. Yeah, and exactly. So go, go look and see how many targets Kareem Hunt had, and that pretty much, exactly. you know, gives you the answer that you're looking for. It's like, oh, only 18. Well, you know, Kareem probably, I don't know. 45 targets, 50 targets. Yeah, they definitely have a two-headed monster in the backfield. Yeah, 51 targets. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's just it's just tough because obviously in a PPR league like we're in, it's if you can't catch the ball, you lose you know you lose so much like ceiling. Like I don't think Nick Chubb can ever be a top like five back with Kareem Hunt there. But I don't think he'll ever be lower than like fourteen. I so mean, he's like a solid guy. I I don't know because like we have seen when healthy and when the offense is rolling, where Chubb has been a top five back for you know a shorter period of time. Finishing the season yeah, there is a different sure. story. But I don't know. It, you also, and I'm not going to reveal them, but you also have to look at like the names below him. Like it's hard to put any of those guys, in my opinion that we have at 11 through 15, it's hard for me to put any of them above Nick right. Chubb in the yeah. rankings. It, but it, I, like I, to attest to your point, it's like I do feel a little bit better waiting around, waiting two rounds and taking one of – well, probably not two, waiting one round and taking one of those other names than taking Chubb mm-hmm. in whatever you know position you get him. Yeah, because if, if you can find a way to get like – Kamara or Elliot or Barkley, and then you can get Chubb too. Like that's such a good like take a swing draft. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it kind of sucks because I think he's more than talented enough to be above Aaron Jones and oh, yeah. up in that top seven or six. But it always comes back to Kareem Hunt being there for me. And I think what John said was interesting about Baker. It seemed like they had a short leash on him. They didn't want Baker losing games for them so it was it was all on Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt but I think towards the end you kind of saw them it was less 
we don't want Baker to lose the game for us. And they started thinking that Baker could actually help them win. And if with Odell coming back, I'd be, I'm interested to see where that offense goes. Right. Cause Odell missed a large part of that season. So I don't know if they're going to throw it more or not. I, again, I don't know. Um, I do have a question for you guys. If Cream Hunt wasn't on the Browns, where do you think, like, let's just say he, he gets put on the Patriots for some reason. Where do you think you'd have Nick Chubb add in your ranking? It's weird because I haven't seen it. But I, I would be very comfortable. I think – I don't think I could move him up much higher than, like, seven. Yeah. Okay. Huh. For me, I think he slides in. For the receiving in. game. I think he slides in at, like, number five for me. I think I'm bumping him above Saquon, actually, just because of – like the time where we're at with Saquon with the Giants definitely improving their passing attack and Saquon coming back off of an injury, I think he slides in right in between Derrick Henry and Saquon Barkley for me at number five. Yeah, I'd put him at six. I can't put him ahead of Zeke because he gets so many more targets than him, but I'd definitely put him at six if you know he wasn't there, which obviously we don't have to worry about. But according to Sleeper, which, again, it takes kind of the average of all the rankings that it finds out there, it has Nick Chubb as the seventh overall player. And, like, it, they have him ahead of Jonathan Taylor, Elliott, and a lot of other, like, receiving options instead. I just don't think I could ever take him there. Because I know in our league last year, he got drafted at eight. And I thought that was a reach um, just because Natalie Cook was still on the board. But on ESPN, he is going at number 10, which is something I would be way more comfortable with. Go ahead, John. I understand what Sleeper says they do, but I really just don't agree with a lot of the <laughs> – I, I, I don't know. It's like sometimes I hear what they have, and it's like I just don't buy it. I don't know. Like seven uh, – I don't know. I don't agree with that at all. But uh, Right, yeah. Uh, it's just – that's tough. I don't know. I, like I would take Zeke – or Zeke. I would take Chubb with probably my third pick. That's that's where I feel comfortable taking Chubb, honestly. Yeah. Like he, e- even on the swing, like I don't think I'm coming around second round if I have if I have Zeke on my roster already. I don't think I can take on Zeke and Chubb because I am on the side of where I think both of those are kind of riskier picks. Right. But if you if you have like a fourth pick and you can get Alvin Kamara and then he somehow falls the I feel like you gotta take Chubb with that. I don't know. It just it's it's all like varied on how the first round goes. But I yeah, definitely it's, would it's not. It's all situational. I would not feel comfortable with him like in the top. I'd say like fifteen picks for me. No, that's about right. Like if yeah. you get if you get, yeah, that's pretty close. If you get Camara, that's pretty close. Yeah. Nate, did you want to add anything real quick before we head out? Not really. Would you? Would, I guess a question. Would you guys feel mm-hmm. more comfortable if you were? on a swing in the draft, would you pass on Nick Chubb and take some of these like honorable mention names that we have Joe Mixon instead? Um, see, the thing is with those guys, their ceiling, like, I think their ceiling's higher, but again, like they have a lower floor, like Nick Chubb, like I talked about, he's not going to be like a top seven, six running back, but he's not going to be lower than like 13 or 14. He's always going to be in that range. If granted, if health going, he's not. He's always going to be in that range. Where I think, like you know, if you look at the, you know, some of the just the names like you know Cam Akers is a hot name. I know 
Clyde, you know, Mixon, Gibson, those are kind of the guys. And if they get a lot of the work, you know, in the passing and rushing game, they can definitely, you know, leapfrog him in terms of the final standing. So it's just, it's just how risky you want to be. I think the two safest picks you could take off the, this board is if you took like Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb, because you know what you're getting. <laughs> but uh, and yeah. Chris McCaffrey, sorry, not excluding Christian McCaffrey. I don't, I don't know if like the honorable mention guys, like that's kind of what I said earlier was like, I can't really put any of them ahead of Nick Chubb. And also like, I will cite the issue of Kareem Hunt's not the healthiest running back. Like he played a full no. season last yeah. year, but he's two for four on his career now with playing 16 game seasons. So we'll see how he holds up this next year. And so like, Again, it's never something that like you want to think about when you're drafting because like we don't want to think about somebody getting hurt. But at the same time, right. like I think that with Hunt out of the lineup, like there's just like there's no way that you can possibly take one of these other guys over Nick Chubb. And so I would probably hold on to that. I'd keep that in my back pocket, like just in case, you know, mm-hmm. like because we are thinking about like highest potential ceiling when we're at this point because like this can be like you know, where you win your draft. Like you can, you can legitimately win your draft with your second pick based on who your first pick was like, because the rest of it obviously has a major impact. But if you have two studs with your first two picks, like coming out of the draft, you're probably looking at, you know, you, you have the best roster. That doesn't necessarily mean you win your, win your league, but you know, winning the draft is a a huge, huge deal. So. Yeah. He, Nick Chubb was only under, 11 points once, not including the game he got hurt. And that was week one against the Ravens when they got blown out. And they it's only a great, him. great second option. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and again, his highest game ever last year was 26 and a half points. So, again, you don't have a lot of room. So, he's very consistent, which is good. You're just never going to get the, you know, like, I don't know. It's hard to explain. <laughs> Start and sit. Like start him and sit him. Oh start. yeah, yeah. Sorry, I thought you were gonna ask like start and sit compared to the two. Never mind. Sorry. Oh no. Yeah. No, no, no. Sorry, it's my fault. <laughs> so yeah. Well, I guess with that, you know, we're gonna wrap it up. We could probably keep going for you know another hour, but um, we're kind of tired and it's been long days for all of us. So we really appreciate you guys listening again. Um, we will catch you guys next week, and I think we're gonna go with the you know ten. Or 11 to 20 running backs, but not for sure. We're keeping our options open. So, could we'll have see you a, guys. We huh? could have a celebrity. Uh, we could have a, a guest star on. Oh, we can't week. hit. We can't hit everything. We're gonna, we, gonna throw a teaser out there. We, we're gonna throw a teaser. We might not have the same guys you've been listening to the whole time. So, you know, just be keep your eyes on that, and we look forward to talking with you guys soon. Again, be sure to follow us on Instagram at fantasy underscore chumps. DM us if you want your question on the show, and we will talk to you guys next week. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks, guys.